Spending time in classrooms is one of the most impactful ways we can support teachers and grow our schools. But all of that classroom work can result in tons of documentation that really goes nowhere. If you've got piles of sticky notes all over your desk and random collections of thoughts in all of your apps, it's time to consolidate. ConnectHub.io is a platform created by coaches for coaches. It's designed to help you organize your notes as you meet with educators and get powerful data on your impact in their classrooms. You can also use this information to support their professional learning and growth. ConnectHub.io includes great features to help you protect the coach-teacher relationship by providing different levels of account access for sharing only what you want with administrators. You can also customize reports to share specific kinds of information with your admin. This is such a great software for coaches. Check it out today at ConnectHub.io to simplify your instructional coaching with a free trial. As a literacy coach at an elementary school, I spent so much time trying to find the perfect supplemental resources for my teachers. That's why I am so excited to share a special resource with you today. Decodable texts are essential for our students who are working on mastering phonics in primary grades especially. I have come across the sweetest decodable books that I love and my kindergarten daughter loves them too. They're called Express Readers. Each book has a complete storyline, includes fun and funny characters like Bug and Duck, and the stories are engaging and increasing complexity over time, as do the words and sentence structures on each page. Sticky words are identified in each book to help children with words they aren't able to decode yet, or those with irregular spelling patterns. They're the perfect resource for giving students at your school the practice they need in applying phonics skills. Head to expressreaders.org and visit the Decodable Books page. There you can download a quick keys guide with teaching tips for each book, including teaching sticky word mapping. You can also get free sample decodables sent to your address. Head to expressreaders.org if you're building your phonics instruction and you're ready for some really great readers. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coach, and welcome to episode 169 Coaching Cycles, a coaching call with Erica Dinkenberger. This season of, of Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast ends the last week of November. And so one of the things that you can do that will really help me out and help you out too, is to take the survey at buzzingwithmissb.com slash survey. You can complete the survey between now and the end of December, and you can win you'll be entered to win a $25 gift card from Amazon because the survey is going to give me important feedback that will help me figure out how I can plan the next season of the podcast in a way that actually suits your needs really, really well. So definitely take that survey. Let me know a little about who you are, what will be helpful to you. And it's going to show up in season five of this podcast. Another thing that you can do in the off season is to join me in my Facebook group. So I have a Facebook group that I just opened up a few months ago. And in this Facebook group, Instructional Coaching with Miss B, I do a monthly live where we chat about the current coaching topic of the podcast. So next month in November is going to be all about assessments. And so you can join me in Instructional Coaching with Miss B. And also in that survey, you'll be able to let me know, well, what do you want to chat about in December and January during the off season? 
We are wrapping up this month that has been all about coaching cycles. And over the last four episodes, we've talked about focusing our coaching cycle work on goals, conducting coaching cycles with fewer meetings, five options for classroom work during coaching cycles. And I've answered your coaching cycle questions in the last episode. So today we're actually talking with a coach who's working with teachers on their campus and is wanting to use coaching cycles as the method to do this. We're going to dig into the reality of the challenges that coaches face right now, and we're going to do some problem solving together. If you're listening in real time, I think this is the perfect episode for October (laughs) this time of year, because I can't think of anything spookier than a coaching cycle gone wrong. I've been there and it's seriously scary. So I am so excited to admit our guest to this podcast and introduce her to you. Welcome to the podcast, Erica. Hi. I'm really glad you were. Oh yeah, of course. I'm really glad that you were able to join us. I know we've tried to get together in the past, but reality of schools is tricky. So um, I'm glad we made it work out today. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself and your coaching role, what your job looks like at your school. Yeah, so I have been um, teaching for 12 years now, and um, I have done everything, I like to say. (laughs) Um, I've been at preschool, I've been at at sixth grade, and everywhere in in between, really, um, and taught literacy, um, and I have a master's in literacy. um, And um, I have been at my current school for three years now. And I have been, this is my second year as the, the academic coach is what my title was changed to this year. Okay. Um, so our building is a K through five building and we have three classes at each grade level. And um, then we have six, um, well, five special areas as well. And I coach them all. Great. So. Okay. So. Um, what is, as you're working through coaching cycles or have you implemented them yet, what are your main challenges around coaching cycles that you're finding right now? Yeah. So we just, um, actually say will be like our first month of school will be done. So, um, this year we have not, um, officially put them into, um, practice yet. However, um, last year was the first time that my school really has done, um, like a true coaching model. Um, so, so last year, a big struggle was just even like trying to get people to come to a meeting that was then going to be a coaching cycle where we were going to talk about what you did and what you could do differently next Mm -hmm. time or what went well and things like that. Um, so this year, some of that is spilling over a little bit. Um, you know, um, we, have had the same curriculum for a long time, which is um, good because a lot of people, you know, know what they're doing curriculum wise. Um, But last year and again, spilling into this year, um, we have made a big push to get on the the science of reading train. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that was like a very big change in our building. So um, really the, the biggest struggle with coaching and I think right now in my building at least and with um having coaching cycles and things like that is not everybody is necessarily buying into that yet um so like that's that's been you know the biggest thing um so a lot of times we haven't even really been able to talk about uh like specific um 
teaching strategies and things like that because I, I'm still, I feel like a salesperson like with that. Right. So I'm still trying to like, um, get everybody on board with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, it is very challenging to move and change philosophies. Um, one of the things that I have found helpful is to have teachers kind of look at, okay, well, what is this going to look like and what actually has to change? Because not everything has to change. Some things are still, we, we still know that they are good, you know, and there may be some things that they're already doing that they have in place that they're going to be able to hold on to. So sometimes people are getting really hung up on pieces that are not even something you need to worry about yet. <laughs> you know, it's like baby steps, right? So we get really hung up on like people are freaking out about, um, oh, I have to use a different phonics curriculum or a phonics curriculum. People are, are freaking out about things that you're like, let's just do something and get really good at it. So, so one thing that might be helpful when you're looking at your teacher's in terms of, okay, where are we even going to start in working individually with each other? Cause you're right. You're right. Now what you're talking about is whole school change. And so then you're like, how am I going to transfer this into small, like individual one-on-one -on -one coaching? You might at the end of a PD say, okay, I know that was a lot, right? This is a lot of information that we're getting. And I know it can feel overwhelming and it's natural to have some resistance to new information and, and it kind of acknowledge that. Um, I actually have a podcast episode that came out this season about making a shift into something new. And I had signs of reading in mind as I created it, because that is an area that a lot of literacy coaches specifically, and also just general, like you said, academic coaches are moving their teachers into this, this area and teachers are like, nope, I do not want to go. <laughs> so that episode, one of the things that I talk about is having teachers identify maybe at the end of a PD um, where you've presented a lot, one thing that they feel like they could start with. And so like at the end of that PD, you want basically like a piece of paper that's like cut in two or something, because you want a commitment from them that tells you what they're committing to work on. You need that documentation because that's how you can follow up and start coaching cycles with them. But they also need it because sometimes we turn it in and we're like, okay, whatever. And we're like, we leave the meeting and we leave our PD and then we go back and do exactly what we were already going to do. So they need that little piece of paper to travel with them and say, I committed to start with this. What is one thing you can do this week or next week or in this month? And so then if you have that from them, then you can follow up and say, hey, I saw that one of the things you were going to try to do is um, integrate more multimodal practice in phonics instruction. I saw that one of the things that you were going to try to do is um, really intentionally plan your unit. So you're building background knowledge and you're making connections to your content areas, whatever it is of this, whatever piece of the science of reading you're kind of focusing on with that PD, if they can identify one step, then you can follow up with them and say, I can help you do that. I get, this is what you want to focus on. And it kind of doesn't matter what it is because they're trying something at this point. It's like, try something, try anything. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, actually, I've been like this year when I was thinking about, um, I, I run like RPLCs as mm -hmm. it stands right now. Cause that's a new thing. And um, just coaching cycles in general. Yeah. I was thinking about that whole like idea of next steps, like what's something you can do like tomorrow or next week or something that like could be quick enough that, mm -hmm. you know, the PDs, it, it doesn't just like go away or go out into the air and never right. um, come to fruition, you know? Um, but yeah, so, you know, and that's the other part that I see for myself too, is like that follow-up with it of, so this is what you said your next step was going to be like, so, so what do we want to do now? What can I, what can I do for you? What can I help you with? Or mm -hmm. um, like, how can we make that happen kind of thing? Yes. Um, 
Well, that's kind of validating that you said that. I like, I, uh, I feel good about that. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. You could, you were already kind of thinking in that direction, right? So, yeah, yeah. you know, the way you could follow up on it. So it's really tangible is you could actually provide like a coaching menu of different ways that you could support them in implementing that thing. So if they did say, well, I want to revamp my phonics lessons because I'm just, you know, randomly pulling out phonics skills. And instead I want to try following this curriculum that you gave us or whatever, then you could say, okay, I have four different ways that I could support you in that. And you can show them a document that you make that actually says, these are four different ways I can support you. I can model a lesson. I can co-teach a lesson. I can set up an opportunity for you to go observe this in so-and-so's room because they've already started implementing this curriculum. And I, you know, you know that they have kind of a good relationship. Um, and uh, like you give them little choices or I can just observe you and provide you with some feedback. We can watch a video together. You give them a few little options. And then that is how you can kind of initiate that one-on-one coaching with a very limited number of choices. Because sometimes when we're like, Hey, I can help you with that. What do you want me to do? And they're like, I don't, I have no, what would that even look like? Especially if they've never had coaching. If they haven't been coached before, they're like, I don't know, what could you do? And you're like, um, (laughs) so we want to have it. If we have a document, we can show them, this is what I can do. This is how I can help. Um, So preparing some little document about like coaching menu about the services you're prepared to provide. And then following up on those teachers that you feel the best about starting with, like there are some teachers that I call them friendlies that you're just going to feel better about uh, working with. You're going to feel confident in their classrooms because it's not chaos. At least it's pretty structured. It makes sense to you. Like it's, it's a comfortable space for you. You feel comfortable with the teacher. She, they're, they're pretty friendly. They seem to be welcoming and they're interested to try something. So all you need is one or two to start with. Then once you go yeah. through your coaching cycle with them, you can leverage that into other, other rooms. Yeah, I appreciate that too. Cause this, this first month I've really just been like, I'm going to go in all the rooms and I just want to kind of like see what, what's going on and where we're at. And, you know, just to make myself visible as much mm-hmm. as possible. And there's some that I just um, jump right in and the teachers are like, yeah, this is awesome. Like we're going to bounce off of each other. We're going to just co-teach together in this yeah. moment right now. And then there's other ones, you know, that kind of give me the eye, like, what are you doing right Can I help now? You? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. Or they'll like, um, I can always tell too the ones that like when I walk in, they like stop, like almost like we need to have a conversation right now. And then the other <laughs> ones that just continue to to teach, like no matter what. Yeah. Um, and then just like, you know, let me do my thing or help them or not, not even help them, but just, <clears throat> you know, I, I get excited, right? I haven't got to do that in the classroom for, for a couple of years now. So it's exciting mm-hmm. when I can uh, go in there and help them. So, yeah, so I kind of already have like a good feel for that. And we, I mean, luckily we had a really good um, staff like retention rate this year too. So oh. a lot of these people I've been working with for a couple of years. So that's been, um, that's been nice too. So I kind of have those people that I can like practice with already. Yes. Um, and I, so, yeah, so I appreciate that for sure. Okay, great. Yeah. It's the, the, what you mentioned about staff retention is so important because like you said last year, it was just introducing things, kind of figuring out what's going on. You weren't doing a lot of one-on-one coaching yet. And that is normal (laughs) for the first year to take some time for things to get going and for people to get comfortable things, people not showing up to meetings on time, people not bringing their stuff to PLC sessions, people showing up at PDs and then having no intention of doing what was mentioned in the PD. All that is, is sadly common. I don't want to say normal because I don't want to make it like it's fine. It's not mm-hmm. fine. Like this is part of the job, you know, and I know teachers are asked to do a ridiculous amount of things right now. And that's why we're seeing one of the reasons we're seeing so much turnover. 
but certain pieces of it, you got to show up to do. I mean, if, if you're told to do something at any job, you pretty much that you are being asked to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that it is to be expected that there is a big challenge that first year, you're just getting things out in place. You're just kind of exposing teachers to what, you know, what's happening and getting used to these routines of showing up and bringing whatever they need to bring. And then the next year you can start to see the real change in instruction because those basic things have been established. It does take some time for sure, um, for change to become common. And, but I feel like after the first year, people have things under their belt that becomes normal. And then you can actually start to grow some of the practices more. So you're in a really good spot right now because you've, you set up some habits last year and this year you're going to be able to capitalize those, those habits and translate them to instruction. It's like, that's what my, in one of my first, it was like my fifth or sixth episode of the podcast I had on my principal and she talked about just, you're just building habits at first because she was um, at a school that had not had any sort of really growth in a while. And so it does take some time building habits is what she said. You just put the structures in place and you build a habit. So that's kind of where you were. Yeah. And you had an episode, um, I think a few weeks ago um, about PLCs specifically. Uh And I've listened to it like three times (laughs) because, uh, because in there um, multiple things, but in there, like, uh, I think, I think it was when you were talking and you were saying like, so the very first year we were just like, getting to a meeting at all, right? Like yeah. coming to the meeting. And then the next year we we're like, okay, so now we're going to like be at this meeting and we're going to talk about um, data, you know? So like, right. that's kind of where I, I feel like I'm at. And last year, um, cause this was my first time in this role. Like there was many days when I was like, well, I'm failing at this. Like, this is not going well. Like, why isn't everybody doing what I want them to do? And like, when I was a teacher, I did this. Why aren't they doing right. that? You know? So, yeah. so I feel so much better this year because I've not only gone through that and, and kind of like have a different perspective now, but then when I listen to things like, you know, like, like your, um, the one about PLCs, like, mm. okay, so, so this is where everybody's at. Right. Like, and it's hard to remember sometimes, like you got to start somewhere. And just the okay. fact that people were coming and weren't complaining about coming and they were here on time and they were, you know, and we got something out of it. Like, that that's just forming that habit and getting them, mm-hmm. you know, so then this year it was like, it wasn't a fight. Now we're right. gonna maybe there'll be, you know, some struggles with like specifically what we're gonna talk about. But at least like it wasn't like a struggle to to know that that's gonna be on your schedule and you're gonna yeah. come to that every week, you know? Because I don't want it to just be like, oh, we have that meeting. Like I, I want it to be a productive thing. So and I think that the same thing with um, like the coaching cycles when we have those meetings too. Like it's me again. Everybody knows that it's me. And now like. You, you already know kind of what to expect a little bit. And now, mm-hmm. um, you know, now it's like just diving into that next step of it. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, kind of like people, if people, because you had a good retention rate, people do know you a little better than they did last year. Um, did you, were you, have you been able to like explicitly introduce, this is the, these are the ways that I can support you in the classroom actually have um, kind of a, like a session or a meeting about that. Yeah. I don't know if I would say like, as explicitly as maybe I, I would like to or need to, I guess. Okay. Um, but yes, we have, um, like when we bring all our staff back, I kind of do like my introduction of just who am I and then um, what my role is here. And yes, in that time, I have like a list of things of um, these are the things I can do. Um, but I, I haven't really like taken time to go back to it and say like, don't forget, or in this moment right now, um, you know, like I know that you're, maybe struggling with this thing or 
the kids are. So like, what, what can I do? Here's the, my list again, here's my menu. And again, you know, like I haven't really um, been able to go back to that yet. Um, which I, I really need, need to do actually. And as we're talking about this, it's kind of like on my brain of how, where can I, um, put that in, you know? Um, and it's not sometimes like, sometimes I feel like I'm forcing myself on people. Um, but I, I don't want to feel like that, you know? And I think, um, if I can go back to something I already presented to them, Yes. Um, we're talking about, right. Then it's, it's easier. It doesn't feel like I'm just like, no, no, I'm going to make you do this right now. Like, so you, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't feel right. like that. And if so. you give people choice within that, it feels less pushy as well. So like, if you say you, I mean, you could even on the little paper we talked about where people identify something they'd like to do, they could even select, like, is there a method on here? I'm giving you four choices. Which one of these do you think would work best? And then you could yeah. let them choose right there. Like they can circle it and say, oh, actually, I would love to watch a video on this. And then you can follow up with those that you think are, are that you're feeling like you're in the place to follow up with. And then you can, I mean, you can follow up with everybody, but absolutely try to focus on starting with those friendlies because that gives you the good practice you need and a good experience with it. And it gives them a good experience with it too. So then they are like little commercials saying, no, no, it was good. It wasn't scary. You know, she didn't come in and just tell me everything I was doing wrong. She helped me look at the curriculum and I feel so much better now. Now I'm prepared. And you can kind of use that to kind of turn the tide a little bit on the general sentiment about working with a coach. Yeah, that's a really good point too, because, you know, I'm, I'm sure from working in schools, like, I mean, word about anything just travels so fast. So. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'd like that's to be true. positive about me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, that's a good point. That's another reason you want to work with a good, strong teacher, because you don't want it to seem like I'm just here to fix the classrooms that need fixing. That is a representative model that we see a lot of coaching. And <clears throat> that makes it super hard to work with most people because, let's say that you're a strong teacher. Well, I don't, I don't need help. Like that classroom needs help. Or if you're a struggling teacher, you're like, I don't want to be on that list. <laughs> you know. So it, if you can start with people who are good, strong teachers and, and would like to try something new, that's one way to get it rolling. Yeah, that's great. That's, a, that's a really good point. Um, I have to remember that. I feel like sometimes some of this stuff, I like I, you can't remember in the moment sometimes. It's true. It's true. Yeah. That. It can be overwhelming. That's why I do the podcast. So you can, like you said, you can listen to it three or four times. <laughs> yeah, that validation is nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I actually have a free download that I'm going to attach to this episode and all the episodes in the month of October that are about coaching cycles. Um, and I'm going to put in there, it's like three ways that you can get teachers excited about coaching cycles, or at least in engage and initiating them. So that's, um, you can grab that as well. Uh, for this episode, it'll be at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 169. Um, That's where that little download will be. Just three different ideas and a couple of tools that could help. So then as you are thinking about, you know, moving into coaching cycles, getting them started with somebody who's friendly and you feel comfortable in their room, what questions do you have about that process? Oh my gosh. Well, so moving into those cycles, um, one of the, one of the things that I struggled with, um, last year was like, so when there is like some kind of uncomfortable conversation or like something that, um, like something that came up a lot last year is like, um, so we would sit down and, um, there would be a portion where there would be some kind of feedback given. And like when, when my feedback is just like totally different from what the, teacher (laughs) self-awareness feedback is, I guess. Um, Then, then it was kind of like we were talking in circles um, or there would always be like 
um, no, I did that because, or I can't do that because, you yeah. know? Um, so I wonder like with things like that, um, cause I don't want to give up on those people and I don't think they're necessarily being resistant. I think it's just, um, yeah. again, with this like new idea of, you know, um, I don't know, not, not being perfect and like, um, everybody's always growing, right. Or we're yeah. always trying new things. And like, you kind of, you kind of know what you're signing up for. Hopefully when you get into education, like we're just going to keep changing and growing and doing all this stuff. So I guess, um, like those kinds of, of things, um, any, um, advice or any like thing that you've dealt with like that in the past, um, where your opinion and what their opinion is, I guess are just totally opposite. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think one thing that you can, there's a couple things here. One thing like school-wide, it might be um, valuable to work on like how we change and growth mindset and things like that. That might be something relevant to bring up with your whole faculty population and not like just a conversation like, oh, oh, you know, we need to have a growth mindset. Not like that, but like, you know, like actually learning about how do we become better at our jobs. It doesn't mean that you are bad or wrong. It means that we are always figuring out something different. Like I have, there are lots of things that I look back in the classroom and think, you know what, that was pretty good. And then there are things I look back for whenever I was in the classroom and think I would not do that again, or I would do that so differently. And um, so I think that it's okay to learn things, but it can feel very, um, in the classroom, you feel like you have to defend yourself a lot. And I think some of that has come from the culture of teaching and education in this country. The teachers feel like they always have to defend themselves for some reason. Teachers are even afraid of the most mild principle sometimes, you know, even a principal who is not threatening, who is not judgy. Sometimes teachers are still really uncomfortable with that person. It's just something about authority and the nature of the job and lots of dynamics happening there. Um, so I think growth mindset and looking at like, okay, well, how do we learn? Why do we like just with, with the kids? It doesn't mean that they're wrong because they don't know something they're getting better at something and we can get better at something. And that's the value of coaching. I mean, you know, professional baseball players who make bazillions of dollars have people look at their swing and tell them to do it differently people who do not make bazillions of dollars to play <laughs> professional baseball. Right. So yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. We all get feedback from a different perspective and it's about perspective. And when you're in your classroom, you get stuck in your bubble sometimes, just like as a coach, we get stuck in the bubble of our school and it's hard to see things from a different perspective. And that's why we talk to coaches at other schools and in other places. Cause it's like, Oh wow. I didn't, I I've, I've been looking at my own four walls. And so it's normal that that happens. Something that you could do with that, those individual teachers is maybe if you know this has been an issue in the past, maybe the support that you offer them is visiting another classroom or video coaching. So the benefits of that are that they see somebody else do it. So the vi visiting another classroom is great because it's, they're less likely to, I mean, I, you know, I've seen, I've set up a lot of classroom visits, even with people who were kind of like resistant to my support, but I got them to go visit another teacher and I have never seen them be outright disrespectful or rude or anything to that other teacher. They were always, I was shocked at how kind they were sometimes and how much they got out of that lesson in another room that they would not have gotten from a dialogue with me because they yeah, can't. That's see. a really good point. It, yeah. it, it changes everything. <laughs> I did. I did actually do that with two, um, with two of our teachers last year, I gave them that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it was, it was definitely like, it was a game changer for sure. Um, 
And then um, I did, I did notice that like, so one of the, one of the ones that we, one of the teachers that I did that with was specifically to see like how um, her and her TA could um, work together where it wasn't just like the TA kind of standing in the back doing nothing oh, the yeah. whole time. Um, so we have a couple other really great teams in our school. So it was like, great, we can use this, you know? Um, and then I guess after something like that, like then continuing to follow up or like how to continue to follow up because I saw like a big change right after. And then like, as the year kept going on, it kind of like slipped back, um, you know, to how it was. And I didn't want to be like, oh, you should go down and look at, look at that again. Cause you've already seen yeah. it. Right. So, um, but yeah, but I think that the more um, we can, we can have people do that, the, that's great. And we even, so my school is like unique because on Fridays, every Friday we have um, early dismissal for our kids. Mm -hmm. So for the last two hours of, of our te like teacher day um, is just PD every single Friday. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like work time, but usually it's, it's some kind of PD. And actually we're pushing forward this year with like, um, certain things, calling on other staff members to do them instead of just nice. like me, the principal, our behavioral team, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of kind of thing so that you can see that there are other resources like in the building for certain things. Um, and then we can partner and like maybe if a third grade teacher is talking about their behavior management system or something like that and you liked what they did, but you want to like see it in action great so they did that pd on that and then i can come in and i can like help you find a time or i can help you um like i can take over class for you and you can go watch them and so um so yeah so i think we're we're putting some of that stuff um into place so again just validation <laughs> yeah it's awesome I'm building those relationships building your true plc across your school that, that that whole school is your learning community you know and um, helping teachers learn from each other and giving them opportunities is great. So you could set up, hey, you know, you saw this person present on grammar and you really, you know, don't feel confident teaching grammar. Do you want to go visit and see what it looks like in their classroom? You know, you could use that as a way to, to build even more open classrooms and really get those doors open to each other. Um, <clears throat> another thing you can think about is like you mentioned with this teacher who went to see the how they use their TA and then over time it just kind of like ended back the where it was is maybe like um hey just doing a little self-reflection check-in so I just want you to think about these questions in terms of your own teaching and how you are um you know really working towards that goal that we had discussed earlier in the year and then you can give them a couple little questions to think about um maybe they can just write about it for a couple of minutes and then they can discuss with you, you know? So, um, it, you know, in terms of whatever goal you had previously set, like for that first coaching cycle, which was obviously about how to use the TA, um, like let's think about how we are, how, what our work looks like now in response to that goal. And what are some things that we can, some adjustments that we can make? Because over time, it's just normal to have to make adjustments. So that might be a one way to do it, um, to have them kind of self-reflect a certain number of weeks after, like six weeks after or something like that. If you're no longer working really closely with that teacher, you can just kind of do a little check-in. Great. Thanks. It does um, happen do with new learning, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, another question that I was thinking about with um, thinking about coaching cycles and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we the school that I work in is a low income um, school and low performing. 
Um, so sometimes, um, especially towards like the middle of the year, when you're really in the thick of it, you know, I find that um, whether it's a, a specific coaching cycle and I just have one teacher in front of me or we have a PD or a PLC or really any of the things, um, when we start to get um, data and we're like either not seeing growth or it's like, you know, we have some kids that are, I was actually just talking to a first grade teacher about this the other day. Like there's, there are some kids that we have that are um, like below grade level so much that even if they made a substantial amount of growth, like it yeah. still wouldn't bring them there, you know? So sometimes it's really hard to get out of, um, like there's just nothing we can do, you know, like that idea of um, like where, how, how do we keep going when, the, when it's just like even the, the lowest performing or the best performing or the low performing, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. And like when we, we talk about like our MTSS um, and RTI and things like that, and like our triangle is a hundred percent flipped upside down. Um, so, but like for, for me and my perspective, I'm like, but look at like the progress we did make um, on, you know, A, B and C. Um, but it is really, really difficult sometimes for some people um, to really see, like, I feel like I'm putting in so much work and it's not making any difference um, yeah. sometimes, you know, or it is making a difference and it still just feels like so long to go. It's like if you're walking down the hallway and you just feel like it just keeps getting stretched and you're never going to get to the end kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's that's really my other thing of when I start these coaching cycles, like I don't, I can't always just be like, no, but you're doing so great. So let's keep going. Um, yeah. So I don't know, like maybe some, some real life uh, like strategies to use when, when, you know, it's winter and we start to get that, like, you just feel down already. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then right. the second data point comes in and you feel like it's not enough growth and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think one, one thing I'm hearing is that this is the tier one instruction that, that so many kids are in tier three, as far as like their, what their data shows, that's an argument for changing your tier one instruction into SOR <laughs> aligned practices. You know what I mean? So yes. that's actually that conversation that you're having with teachers where they're like, oh, it's, they're just can't and it's not working and they're stuck and they're not moving. All those things tell us we need to change tier one. So that is one th vehicle that you can use for the SOR strategies you're trying to get teachers to actually implement. It's something to think about because um, okay, you yeah. can't intervene out of a tier one problem. If your tier one instruction is the problem, you can't intervene with everybody. That means that our tier one isn't working. Then I worked at a school that was a very academically struggling school and they had been low performing. And we did have to change a lot of our tier one instruction and think about why is this happening and what can we do? Because the questions are always, well, what, you know, these kids and this kids and this kid, these are the kids that we have. What mm -hmm. do we need? If we need to change everything to better meet their needs, then I guess that's what we have to do because they're the ones we have. We don't have the ones who are benefiting from whatever we're doing. We need to do something different. And those are hard conversations, but I think that that's the long game, you know, um, as far as, you know, working with teachers and looking at data and, and just being super deflated because I, I get that. And I remember one teacher would come in and Miss Chrissy, she's, and she still calls me Miss Chrissy. Like I've known her for 10 years, Miss Chrissy. I just, oh, it's just, I don't know what I'm, I know that they, they're slow to start and I know it's going to get better, but I just, and, and it was just like this whole like emotional, mm -hmm. oh my goodness. Like she had poured her heart into her work and she wasn't seeing the results. And 
So there are a couple of things that we did. One, we've talked about how data is just information and it tells us what our kids can do on in that kind of assessment at that time. It's not, it doesn't, it's not inherently bad or good. It tells us what they can do at that point in time on that kind of an assessment. The other thing is, okay, well, how can we, is there a way that we could maybe change up how we're assessing? Because if we're looking at data point one and data point two, and there's nothing in between, that's also an issue. Yeah. Do we have like data points in between that we're collecting maybe common assessment data throughout? And so they kind of have a better idea of how things are going so they can adjust instruction or are they waiting for that second data point? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think so we obviously we haven't gotten into it yet because it's, it's uh, this, the first month of school, but um, we, I think, yeah, last year, like a lot of the focus was really just on those like universal screening data points that we mm -hmm. have the three times a year, you know, um, and that's where we were, it was almost like holding your breath to see what the progress is going to be. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I think putting more time into the other assessments though, because we have like unit assessments, we have mid-unit assessments, we have um, like um, benchmark things that happen throughout the year. We have all these other pieces that we could definitely um, put into place mm -hmm. so that, yes, you're right. Like between the first and the middle and the middle and the last where you can see, um, where the winds are, uh -huh. I guess. Yes. Um, and that'll give you more information to respond also, because if we're waiting, we have a data point and I know that you're just barely getting these processes going. And I, you're right. Yeah. It, at first you just get the big stuff in place, right? Cause it hasn't mm -hmm. even been in place. And now you can start saying, okay, now we need little checks throughout because how are we adjusting our instruction? If we don't know, how do we, what are we going to do if we realize that all the kids are struggling with, with, you know, digraphs, but we already moved on and we're not even intervening in that area because we didn't notice until our data point check in December. So if we can adjust our instruction throughout and our intervention can be better because it's based on data that hopefully will eliminate some of that high pressure, high stakes assessment in December. And at least it'll make it feel like at least if it's not what you want, at least you knew it was coming. Like teachers who are surprised by their data, that's a concern, right? Whenever we're yes, like, oh, yes, I didn't sure. know that was, I thought they were doing better than that. Uh-oh, well, then you're not get, you're not meeting their needs because you didn't even know what they were. That's a problem, right? Yeah, for sure. So that's and one I have thing. And I've seen that for sure mm -hmm. before as well, where it's like, wait, really? But I know that they can do da 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 da, da. And yeah. I'm like- how? Okay. Okay. How do you know? <laughs> Based on what? Yeah. 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 Exactly. And so that's what those little checks could come in with, like those unit assessments or smaller assessments, common assessments. That's you could actually use that to fuel your PLC sessions as well, where you're looking at that data and making plans to adjust based on what you see. So that's another thing that could help. So going off of that, mm -hmm. um, so I we have I do have some teachers that um like both of the, our math and our ELA um, curriculum are, are really like scripted curriculums. Mm -hmm. um, so I do have some teachers that are like, well, I want to do this with fidelity. So I'm going to do exactly what it says. And um, so sometimes it is really hard to talk to them about like, yeah, but what, what are you seeing that they can and can't do? What do you, what is the data showing you so that you can kind of change that? And then um, sometimes it's like, we don't even know how to change it. Um, and me me included at times um where i'm like i don't even know what what uh like how to how to adapt to it or what the idea would be because um like 
the same people that I have that conversation with, they're like, but, but if I, if I spend too much time on this lesson or if I keep uh, going over it or, you know, then I'm going to be off pacing and then this right. and that, and then we won't get through all the units by the end of the year. You know, it's like this whole snowball effect, of all these things. So, um, so what, so what about having like those kinds of conversations um, with, with the teachers that like to stick to the script and then also can't, you know, figure out yeah. the pacing. And stuff? Yeah. I, as a teacher, I was very much like, if I don't, if I don't get to the last unit, but my kids master all the other ones, you're welcome. Cause I can tell you those kids who got through the last unit haven't mastered everything. You know what I mean? I feel like it's better to teach yeah. five things well than eight things badly, but that's my own personal, that's a struggle because schools do not like that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Correct. Districts don't like that. When, and when you just said that too, so like we, this is just an example. So we have have that sort of situation in pockets, right? Yeah. Um, so like in, for example, like our second grade math curriculum, like the very last unit, often we don't get to, but it's like all geometry. Mm -hmm. So then they go to third grade and they didn't yeah, get no to the worries. last unit in third grade either, which was all geometry. And then they oh, went yeah. to fourth grade, you know, like that sort of yeah. thing. So like I saw last year when I got into this, like we had a lot of fifth graders that like literally didn't know shapes and so then wow. I, it got me thinking like but how how because obviously this was a trend so like how could we yes. do that and I and I can't blame anything else on COVID like I'm so sick of hearing everybody <laughs> blaming everything on COVID you know so I was like when I was going back kind of back and like reflecting a little bit though and thinking about like where did we get to and then sitting through our PLC meetings last year and like listening to the teachers who have taught this for mm -hmm. years saying like well we we always don't make it to this or we, we haven't gotten there. Yeah. Like, well, this makes so much sense now. Yeah. They're all of them are not getting to the same thing. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. So we just like totally skip that basic skill basically. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, which yeah. That, that's that's not the way that I recommend doing it. <laughs> it it's like, you, it sounds like so, so locked into that like mastery thing that I'm like, okay, but it's like January. Yeah. But they're also not so like, yeah. So what are we going to do here? Yeah. You they're know? also not getting to the other things at all, which is an issue yeah. as well. So yeah. I think that looking at, like, I found that going slow at first helped me go fast later, if that made sense, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. they were good at things that were important. So one thing it might be good to do is to identify what are those really essential standards for each grade level that kids have got to see? So like we went through, I remember one year and looked at our standards and we were like, okay, this is introduced in third grade. And if it is not taught in third grade, kids do not see it again until sixth grade. So if they miss it, they have no clue. They've never been exposed to it. And they're not going to see it again in the standards until middle school. And that's not fair to them at all. So we went through and like identify, like we had to get really comfortable with vertical alignment and look at what is essential. What are your essentials? Not teaching any of geometry is a problem, right? That is not good. You know, not teaching any of something is an issue, but I did find going slow at first to go fast later was better because the curriculum at the beginning always moved so quickly. My kids had no clue. Like if they don't master place value, you can't teach them long division. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that was the issue is we'd move fast through these, these units that were really foundational to later things, you know, and that's a problem. They have to get good at the foundational stuff, I think. And then that's where you spend your time. And if you have to make up time, you make up time on something that is not as essential to every other thing. Yeah, um, and the other thing to yeah, think about is what does intervention look like? 
So do they have small group intervention? Do they have a dedicated time? What does their tutoring look like? How do they decide who goes in there? How do they decide what they cover? Because it sounds like if we have a class full of kids who didn't do well in something, yeah, that's a whole group reteach. Something was wrong with my teaching. But if we have like six kids that didn't do well in something, that's a small group. So like looking at, well, where do we meet these students' needs and how do we differentiate that intervention might be a place to go with those meetings. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And um, I was I was laughing because what you were talking about with um, actually the place value thing, like I literally sat here at the table that I'm sitting at right now with um, my third grade team yesterday and had that exact same conversation. Really? <laughs> yeah, they were okay, like, good. we are zooming through this, but they're not understanding anything. Yeah. Like, what can we do? And I'm like, make them know it. Yeah. That, <laughs> it's, an, it's a big one, guys. <laughs> like, but then we wouldn't do a lesson a day. Like, what should we do? And I'm just like, nah, like you gotta, you gotta make sure that they know it or you're, I mean, yeah. the whole rest of the curriculum or the whole rest of the year is, is based on that. Right. Um, and so maybe you'll be able, if they get really good at something, then you can find places to say, okay, we can cut this unit a little bit because it's not as essential or because they, they understood it easily. Sometimes kids just get like geometry is not hard. It's usually at the third grade level. You can yeah. do it pretty fast if it's hands-on and it's engaging and then you bridge to paper. But if they don't get exposed to it at all, that's a problem. So there are places you can cut things down and do them in a shorter time, but you have to really look at that that pacing guide and say, where do we need the extra time? Where can we take that extra time? And I know it's not perfect at all. It's never going to be because there's not enough time to teach all the things to mastery or to any level that we want to teach kids. But if we are not thoughtful about where we spend our time, then we have a real problem. No. Yeah. And you mentioned like vertical alignment and that was something um, that was like some of our work we did before kids entered, you know, you always have like Mm -hmm. that time you come back before kids. And that was some of the, um, the work that we did then. And this is the, as far as I know, this is the first time that that's really been, been um, introduced because last year, um, even to just go over the standards, you know, um, we got to a certain point in the year where I felt like people were almost going rogue a little bit related to like standards. And I had to bring it back, especially with like writing. And I'm like, whoa, 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 like first grade, they, um, yes, they can't write a paragraph because look at what the standards say, you know, we kind of like had to bring it back to there. So yeah, so looking like this year, we looked at like the vertical alignment and thinking about like, so you're in third grade, what do they even need to do in fourth grade? And that was like the conversation that we were having yesterday as well, like with that place value thing um, is that they, I mean, they're going to see that again in, in yes. fourth grade. They're going to see it again in fifth grade. I know both of the first units in both of those grades are working on those. And like the fifth grade one is decimals, but place value after the decimal, you know? So like mm-hmm. all of those really, really, really important skills come back. Um, and yeah, they just keep layering on top of each other. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah, doing Yeah, I think those are really good conversations that you're having. And all of those conversations, as you're looking at curriculum, as you're looking at assessment and data, those things you can, you can pivot and twist them, turn them into individual coaching work. So that's, those are good, you know, those are good conversations to have. And then you can say, I can work on this with you. And then you can present your menu and move towards an individual coaching cycle in that way. Everything that we do with teachers, all these interactions, it's coaching, it's supporting them, it's growing them. It's just growing them in different ways. And so then we can take that stuff that we do in a PLC setting, a team setting, and then move it into individual support if that's the door that we have open. All righty. Yeah, that sounds great. All <laughs> it right. sounds like it sounds like I should take most of what I'm doing in PLC and then kind of build on that and 
yeah. go from there. Because that's when I'm really hearing, like, when I can only hear that one voice, you know, like sometimes they stop me in the hall and, and I can jump in quickly. Um, but that's when I'm really like hearing a lot of, this is what's going on in my classroom and what went well, what didn't go well and where we're, you know, and then the whole, cause usually once one of them says something that everybody's like, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah even so. what you're talking about with pacing, having, sitting down with a teacher and looking at the calendar and saying, okay, we need to find some extra time. And I, yeah. I will coach you. I will ask you the questions. I will help you do the thinking to figure out what we can do. We will look at your schedule and figure out how can we address these needs throughout different parts of the day. All that is coaching. It's not modeling. It's not co-teaching, but it is changing the way a teacher does their work and helping them think differently. Yeah. Okay, great. All righty. Well, I hope you have some ideas that might work out for you as you move forward with your coaching cycles. Yes, I do. I took lots of notes here. Okay, great. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, coach. I know that we started talking about PLCs and other kinds of coaching work there, but I think it's important to think about how our support for schools, it, it's not, we don't only do one kind of thing. We support our teachers through a variety of strategies and we can take those other strategies and turn them into coaching cycles. So if you need some ideas about how to get teachers engaged in coaching cycles, you can grab that free download at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 169. And it'll give you three different ways plus a couple of tools to help you get your teachers excited. Next month, I'm super excited because we just wrapped up our coaching cycles month in October. And in November which I am calling November number, which is a terrible name. We're going to talk about how to use data meaningfully. So it's kind of like a lovely segue that Erica gave me <laughs> into how we're going to use data and assessments. And that's going to start with episode 170. It's next week. And we're going to talk all month about using data meaningfully, about formative assessments, about um, common assessments. We're going to really dig into what data and assessments look like at our schools and how we can do a great job with them. I also want to remind you about that survey at buzzingwithmissb.com slash survey, where you can be entered to win a $25 gift card from Amazon. So be sure to fill that survey out and let me know what it is that you want to hear on the podcast next year. Happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.